Some of you got in that impearled verse. <laughs> that, that third verse has a wonderful word, impearled, and there aren't many hymns that have impearled in them. But some of us went to the fourth verse. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Lord, this is the advent of the Christian year, of the advent season, of December, of so many things. And that wonderful word that reminds us that you have come, and you are coming, and you will come. And that that means there's an adventure in store. <coughs> you lead us into places we sometimes swore we'd never go. And yet there you take our hand or sometimes you push us and say, let's go. And Lord, there are times when life seems very dark and scary. And we see the advent of the sparkling of your grace. Or even the great rays of life of your mercy and your courage and your hope. So, Lord, open us that we may help bring that light into many lives, our own and those around us, that we will sense the pain that others are in and, and care enough to be part of it and to help it be lessened. Give those who especially need courage and hope and joy a sense of your advent into their lives now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's a new year, new liturgical year, new Christian year. Did an asteroid or something hit back here? What's up? What's up with this? <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. Well, here we are in Advent. And uh, it's the, if you're like me, you didn't grow up with the liturgical year. A lot of you did. I didn't. Uh, I don't think we even, back when I was a child, no, we even talked about Advent much in the church that I grew up in. Um, a lot of so-called non-liturgical churches have picked up on Advent and Lent in the last couple decades, but... Um, not so in the church that I grew up, and so uh, this different way of keeping time, um, I was sort of a latecomer to, uh, but I have a deep appreciation for it. Some of you grew up with it and probably don't know anything other than it. Um, but this, this way in which the church keeps time, where um, rather than marking the year by uh, just the seasons, uh, by the sun, summer, the different months, uh, we mark time uh, by the Christian story. And uh, every year we rehearse this story again. And um, there's sort of two focal points, right? There's uh, the, what we think of as Christmas, 
Um, and then there's Easter. And everything sort of takes its uh, cue from those. And so there's a season of preparation for both of those, and then there's a season after both of those. And so we're in the Advent season, which is the season of preparation for to celebrate the, the birth of our Lord. And it's, it's marked by something that we all love, and that's waiting. <laughs> right? Advent is the season of waiting. Um, and if you're like me, um, I'm not a fan of waiting. Um, don't much like waiting. Um, and most of us come by it honestly. Uh, we've talked about that before in here. There's not much in American culture that encourage us, encourages us to wait. Uh, we are an impatient people. Um, I'm an impatient person. You might have a little impatience in you. Um, oh, not, not, I, I saw that. <laughs> not a bit. <laughs> yeah, not a bit. And so we want to talk uh, about waiting for the next few weeks um, because we have to. And, and, and it's a it's not. It's a kind of active waiting, as we'll try to talk about. Uh, there's different kinds of waiting. Uh, there's a waiting where you know what's coming, and um, you just have to wait for it. And that can be that can be a certain kind of exhilaration, but it also can just be annoying, right? Um, most of you probably, your favorite thing, for example, isn't sort of to wait uh, in line. Um, because typically when you're waiting in line, you know what you're waiting in line for. I just want to pay for my groceries, right? I mean, it's not anything profound. Um, I, don't, I don't expect to be surprised when I get there. Except it's maybe sometimes like that much. Um, are you sure? Um, what did I buy? Um, but the waiting that we're talking about this month, these four weeks uh, of lead up and pre pre preparation for the, uh, the birth of the Christ child, is a different kind of waiting, as we'll see. And we're going to sojourn for the next several weeks in the book of Luke, in the first few chapters of the book of Luke. If you know anything about liturgical season and liturgical calendar, uh, there's sort of a three-year cycle that we go through, uh, and, and there's a different gospel uh, that's, that's, that's sort of the focal point. And so we're in what's called... Today, we're starting year C, as in the letter C. There's year A, B, and C. And year A, you, you do this Gospel of Mark. I mean, Matthew, B is Mark, and C is Luke. So that's where we are. And we're going to look at the first couple chapters of Luke. 
which we often don't focus on all that much. I mean, we skip around uh, in Luke because Pop, as you know, there are only uh, only two of the Gospels have birth narratives: uh, Matthew and Luke. Uh, Mark doesn't have a birth narrative; he just jumps right into the story with Jesus as an adult. Actually, starts with John the Baptist, but it gets to Jesus. Jesus is already an adult in Mark, and John, you know, starts like in the beginning with the word. Um, Matthew starts with the genealogy. That's exciting. Um, talk about making somebody wait. Um, Got to wade through all these names. You just kind of pray. Of course, we don't ever read that in church. I mean, who would volunteer to be the reader that day? Um, but, but Luke makes us wait also. Um, Jesus isn't mentioned for the first 30 verses at all, which is kind of interesting. It's like, who's this story about? Um, but it starts off with some other characters. And today we're going to look at a couple of those characters as a way of kind of looking into this notion of waiting and trying to think about what uh, we're going to look primarily at uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and to think about what Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, might be able to teach us uh, about waiting as we enter into this Advent season. So if you have your Bible and New Testament and you want to turn to the first Gospel of Luke, we're going to read this primarily because this, as much as the Christmas stories get read, um, it's often the case that this part of the story doesn't get read very frequently. And so I thought it might be good to read this and then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. And so Luke has a kind of prologue for four verses where he just talks about what he's going to do, why he's doing it, and why he's setting all, it, all of it down carefully. But then he starts in verse 5 with this. Now you have to put your, your listening caps on because it's quite a bit of text. Um, and I know we'll get to the good part, but you're going to have to wait. I'm actually reading the scriptures, the good part. Um, in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Does that sound like a familiar story? Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, the priests were sort of put in groups and they rotated in and off of duty. It's his group's turn now. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. They're waiting. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. That seems sensible, right? Um, 
Talk about being surprised. I mean, he had been waiting for his turn. Now it's his turn. By lots, he goes in to offer incense. And all of a sudden, the day is not going the way he thought it was going to go. Is it, pos is it even possible that he woke up that day thinking, I wonder if I'll see an angel today? <laughs> That's not possible. Um, so he's a little upset, a little terrified. Um, what's this about? But the angel said to him, what angels almost always say to people who are afraid, don't be afraid. <laughs> That's reassuring, like easy for you to say. <laughs> Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Now we don't know exactly what he's been praying about yet, but apparently his prayer has been heard. And apparently he's been waiting, wondering if his prayer would ever be heard. No doubt to have a son. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. That's also a little surprising because you normally name your firstborn son after you, right? So you're going to name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now that's got to be a little bit hard to swallow. I was just going in to make a little incense offering. <laughs> Just exactly, just doing my job, minding my own business. I mean, and I'm there because, I mean, it's like we roll dice. You know, we, we, I got the short straw. So I'm, I'm in there supposedly by chance. But clearly it's not by chance. And not only is Elizabeth going to have a son, and we're going to call him John, which is a shortened form of a Hebrew name for Yahweh is gracious. But he's going to be like somebody. Right? He, this son has a mission. And the angel's already quoting passages from the Hebrew Bible, this part about, you know, turning the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. I mean, that's, that's right from the very end of Malachi. It's our last book in the Old Testament. Right? So something really unexpected and dramatic is happening in the midst of Zechariah just doing his job. It goes on. 
Zachariah gets to respond. What would you say? Thanks. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, you've got to be kidding. That's what I'm thinking. And that's exactly what he's thinking, too. <laughs> Zachariah said to the angel, make note, always be careful what you say to angels. <laughs> Choose your words carefully. Zachariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. So he's asking for a sign. Like, how am I going to know? I mean, like, how am I going to know this is not, like, I'm not hallucinating? How am I going to know, like, this is really so? How do I know that you're not, like, some evil tempter? How am I going to know that this is so? Because in case you haven't seen, I'm an old man. And I don't know if you've seen Elizabeth yet. Um, she's up in years too. Does this story sound familiar? The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occurred. Well, he got a sign. <laughs> Just not the one he was thinking about. You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Just shut up. For nine months. Then maybe you'll have something to say. <coughs> Meanwhile, the people were waiting. Like all these people are outside, like what's taking him so long? All he had to do was go in and do a little incense. Now, did he die? I mean, it's always kind of a worry. Like, what happens if the priest goes in there and dies? It's like, who's going to go in and get him? That's a problem. Right? And they wondered at the delay. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, for they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away my disgrace, the disgrace I endured among my people. course to be bear, to be a barren Jewish woman was a horrible disgrace and was assumed by many uh, to be uh, an indication of the Lord's disfavor right that God had somehow uh, sh shut up your womb uh, for something that you had done um, and so it was a horrible burden and apparently they had prayed for some time 
And so when the angel comes and tells Zechariah that your prayer has been heard, um, it's clear that, that they are now, um, regardless of what they might have thought before, they now are receiving the Lord's favor, the Lord's grace. And so they will call him John, right? Yahweh has been gracious, or we have received favor from Yahweh. Waiting. We have no long, no idea how long they've been waiting. Doesn't tell us exactly how old they were. But it's clear it had to have been decades upon decades that they had been waiting and still praying, apparently. Um, and so waiting, this kind of waiting that we're talking about in Advent is not, it turns out to be not simply waiting for something that you want that you kind of hope and wish will happen. Um, and so this kind of waiting is, is rooting in, in hope and humility, both. And so as we think about this, this, this month, we want to talk about, and particularly today, we want to talk about hope and humility. And the first thing to say about this kind of hope that you have, and that is it's, it's not the same as just wishing. And sometimes when we think of hope, we just, we kind of sometimes use them colloquially the same kind of way. Like, uh, I hope that the weather holds out. It's supposed to be in the 60s today. I hope it's a nice day, which really means I, I, I kind of wish that. Um, I know what I want, I know what I'm wishing for, and I hope and wish that that will be the case. Christian hope is not wishing. Right? It's not wishing. Um, it's, it's grounded uh, in God's promise. Christian hope is, is rooted in God's character and God's promise. Um, that God's promise can be trusted and hoped for and waited for because God's character is faithful. If God has promised something, then it will come to pass. And it's not coincidence that when Luke tells the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, it has this not-so-faint echo of this pretty important story in Genesis, right? Genesis 18, which is about who? Abraham and Sarah, who were in the same situation, right? Um, and recall that God made not just a promise, but a covenant with Abraham. It's the fundamental covenant of the Jewish people that God would make of them a great nation, and through them all the nations of the world would be blessed. And even though there had been some good years in Israel, um, and they had caught glimpses of God 
bringing that promise to fruition, no one in Zechariah and Elizabeth's day thought that the promise, the covenant made to Abraham had been fully revealed and fulfilled. There's still this great expectation that God is yet, God is yet going to fulfill the promise made all the way back to Abraham. At this point, it's, don't know exactly, but close to a couple thousand years. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's about the time from Jesus to us. Okay? That's a long time to wait and hope that God will actually fulfill the promise made. And it, it wasn't easy to do. As you recall, the, the people of Israel had gone through a series of oppressions. Now the other defining moment uh, for Israel is the exodus right, from Egypt. And so they began as a people being released from oppression, but their recent history is just sort of one oppression after another. Right? You recall they were, you know, they were under uh, they had the exile. First it was the Assyrians, then it was the Babylonians, then it was the Persians, and now it's the Romans. It's like oppressor of the weak. Only it was generations. And so when Zechariah and Elizabeth are waiting, they're under Roman occupation. It's not exactly the heyday, doesn't? And you can you can wonder. Uh, the prophetic voice had largely been silent for hundreds of years, and you could wonder, and you wouldn't be like faulted completely for wondering, like, has God forgot us? I mean, did did it happen and we missed it? But they're still waiting with some type of anticipation in hope. And the hope, again, is not just wishing, but it's hope grounded in who God is. And they keep telling the story of who God is. This is a faithful God who keeps promises. And that's the basis of their hope. But it's also humility. I mean, this kind of waiting is a really humbling thing because it reminds you, at least one of the reasons I'm pretty sure we don't like waiting, is it reminds you something that we don't like to be reminded of, and that is, more times than not, I am not in control. And you aren't either. I don't like being reminded of that. Um, because it seems like a lot of my days, a lot of my life is spent trying to give the illusion that I do have control over a lot of my life. Um, 
all of us have that kind of bubble burst from time to time, and it's deeply humbling, isn't it? To be reminded that you're not in control in the way that you think you are. Very, very hard. And I don't, I don't like being reminded of that, but that's, that's our finitude, that's our creatureliness, is that we are creatures created with limits. We are not God. Um, our measure of whatever control we have is, is pretty limited, much more limited than we sometimes think. And so this waiting is a reminder, an important reminder, that we are not in control. Um, God seems to be taking God's sweet time here. <laughs> um, and it's not clear why. It's not clear why. And in our normal way of thinking about waiting, it's, it's unusual for most of us not to feel as though waiting is a royal waste of time. That's one of the reasons we resent it. Because I have plans. I got things to do. I was supposed to be here at 825 this morning for worship. I jump in my car, I get 200 feet down the road, and I have a flat tire. This is this morning. God has an enormous sense of humor. <laughs> I had plans. Right? I was not in control this morning. No problem. I go back, change clothes, get the, jack up my car, do everything I'm supposed to do. Wheel won't come off. <laughs> it's rusted on there. <laughs> yeah. So, go back in, change my clothes back, had somebody else bring me. <laughs> Call AAA later. <laughs> yeah. Small irrit That's a small irritation. But it was a little reminder I'm not in control as much as I think I am. But some of you have had experiences where your entire life has been rocked by this realization that you and I can make all the plans we want, but things are not likely, as much as we hate to admit, going to unfold exactly the way you think they are. What do we do with that? Well, part of what Zechariah and Elizabeth might teach us here is it's, it's possible that the waiting and the disruption is not all for naught. It's not just chaos. It's not just disruption. 
But there might be something going on. Zachariah could not have imagined what this disruption in his normal day would bring. It was so far beyond anything he could have imagined. They just wanted a son. But God had other things in mind. Right? There's no way they could have imagined that. And so this waiting is not just wishing. It's hoping in God's promise, but it's also this humble posture of not presuming like where all this should go. I mean, I wake up every morning and assume like pretty much how things should go. Not just with my day, but with my whole life. Right? And the question is, do, do we, part of what waiting is, Part of what Christian waiting is, and part of what the season of Advent about, is it's not just about, okay, here we have this another four-week interval where we have to wait for Christmas. Right? Uh, this is the adult version of telling kids, it's not Christmas yet. Right? You have to wait. No, you can't open your presents yet. And so we turn Evan into just, okay, we know what's coming. I mean, how many times we heard the story. Um, so this waiting is just like, we're just like marking time until the re real event gets here on December 25th. That's not what Advent's about. Advent's about every year being reminded, what's it mean to make space in our lives for God to do something that we don't expect. That kind of waiting. That God, that the, and, to, and to, that's rooted in a deep trust and hope that the life that God wants for me and for you is better than the life I want and plan for myself. But do I ever create the space to wait for that? No is the answer for me. You have to answer it yourself. Not much. I'm too busy trying to live out my own plans. So part of what this season is is about preparing ourselves. What, what if God wants to wake us up, so to speak, in the season of preparation? Sort of jar us out of our comfort, our assumption that we know how things are going to go. Um, we don't know how things are going to go. And often, what we miss in the waiting 
is that we're so focused on what we think we're waiting for that we're largely oblivious to what God might be doing in us in the waiting. Um, we sort of pride ourselves on being goal-oriented. Uh, but what if, what if part of waiting, maybe, maybe the most important part of waiting is not just, again, waiting for something that you know is going to happen, but what if it's about who I'm becoming while I'm waiting? What if God cares more about that? I was trying to think about that this morning. Where is God in this? What if when we found in this season waiting, like where is God in this? God's not just at what we're waiting for. Right? God's not just at the finish line. But what if God is with us, which is pretty much the gospel tagline, right? God is with us. While we're waiting, Whatever it is you're waiting, whatever, whatever disruption has come into your life um, and you find yourself waiting, but you don't, maybe you don't now know what you're waiting for. Do we have, do we have the, the patience and the trust in God to Create that space to allow God to do something more than we can ask or imagine. Or will we settle for just waiting for what we want and miss who God might make us be while we're waiting, trusting in God's promise, trusting in God's goodness and favor and graciousness, that ultimately God's love for you, God's love for me, can be trusted in the midst of the uncertainty <coughs> that waiting brings, this kind of active waiting where we don't assume we know what's coming, besides the train. <laughs> Speaking of a sign, we have a sign. <laughs> right? Something's coming, and this time we know what it is. So it seems like the 
the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth might have something to teach us. Um, it's the only gospel they're mentioned in, interestingly enough. We don't know anything about them outside of this. Right? Um, but they are the parents of John the Baptist, who's mentioned in every gospel. Um, they could not have imagined. Right? Jesus will end up saying that, you know, no one born of woman is more important than John the Baptist. That's not what they thought they were waiting for. Right? And even when John shows up, they don't yet know. Right? It will be years and years and years before they can make any sense of those words from the angel. Think about what that was like growing up with little John and little Jesus playing with each other, cousins. And everybody has in their ears these words that you can't tell to your neighbors. It would sound so presumptuous. But they're waiting. They're still waiting to find out. Like, what did those words from the angel mean? Right. We can see what they couldn't. Right. We can see what they couldn't. And so we wait. And we hope in humility. Let's pray. We pause our busy lives, O oh God, in the midst of this day, the beginning of this season of Advent, to give you thanks that you are a faithful God who keeps promises. And so as we wait and make space in our lives for you to do something surprising in our own lives, might we wait and trust you and if we find ourselves disrupted and waiting because of circumstances in our lives way beyond our control, might you give us the spirit of humility and the, the hope to look for you in the midst of that waiting, knowing that even if we can't tell what's happening, that you are there. And so we pray you would sanctify this season of waiting for our good, that you might faithfully make us to be more fully the people you've called us to be. We pray in the name of the one for whom we hope and wait, Jesus Christ. You may have noticed I've gotten tired of fooling with our hand mic.